Hey there, I'm Adam Demetrician, the lead pastor at Pathways Church in Appleton, Wisconsin. And this is our podcast. I hope this message inspires you, feeds your faith, and ultimately leads you into a growing relationship with Jesus. Hey, it's Student Takeover Weekend. I gotta tell you, this is my favorite weekend of the entire year, okay? This is like Christmas, Easter, the Super Bowl all rolled into one. Like this is my favorite weekend by far. And and here's why. Here's why this this is definitely one of my favorite weekends of the entire year. It's because of the fact that I get to show a piece of my heart to you guys. You see, the reality is that student ministry is really close to my heart. It's close to the heart of my my family, my wife, Savannah. And this is my opportunity where I get to show you what our students do, okay? Uh, If you didn't notice, when you came in today, the people who greeted you out there were either students or leaders. The people who served you coffee were students. There were seventh grade girls, which uh, I got to make a public apology. They were a little bit frustrated with me because I... uh, I made a joke last, last service about them uh, burning somebody, and that didn't actually happen, okay? Uh, but anyways, those, those, those were actually students. In fact, when you uh, came in this morning and you saw uh, Parker do the announcement, he's one of our students. This entire team is students. The point I'm trying to make for you guys is that students rock, okay? We love students. They're incredible. In fact, uh, if you're online and you're feeling like, man, I missed out a little bit. Like, I, I missed out. I missed out on being able to, to see all of that. Well, check this out. The reason that Pathways, students, or Pathways Church as a whole uh, is able to be in your living room right now, uh, to be in, if you're working out, be in your ears right now, is because of students running the cameras that you are looking through. Come on. Yeah, that's incredible. That's awesome. Absolutely awesome. You know, the other reason that this is my favorite weekend of the year is um, because of what, it, what this next generation means. You know, I said it last year and I'll say it again. Uh, you see, the reality is that we're always one generation away from extinction. Capital C Church is always one ge- generation away. All it takes is one generation of students to say, you know that Jesus stuff? I don't need that. And if that happens, we are closing doors of churches across the nation. The next generation is extremely important to making this happen. Now, I know there's some of you here uh, that you're probably sitting here thinking, okay, it's student takeover, you know, uh, you know, there's students leading everywhere. I'm not a parent. I don't have students, so why should I care? Like, why should I be, wh- why should I continue watching this? Well, here's the reality. We just sang that song, Anchor, which talks about a storm, and it talks about where we're anchored to. And I know that every single person here is in one of three places today. The first one is this, you're coming into a storm, you're in the middle of your storm, or you're coming out of a storm. You see, the reality is that for every single one of us, we are in one of those three places. There's some of you that you're in the boat right now, and that boat is rocking. Like, it's rocking pretty good. And you're you're seeing uh, the, the water and the wind and the waves get bigger, and you're getting terrified right now. That's where you are. There's some of you that uh, divorce is on the doorstep. There's some of you that you lost your job on Friday. And you're saying, yeah, Michael, I get get storms. I understand that. So the reality is that I believe that God has given me a message that is for everybody here. And it's a message that if we truly grasp it, it could change how we live our lives. See, the other truth that I know is that students have storms. Storms. 
And I know that's hard sometimes because you're like, really? I mean, they don't have a mortgage. They don't have a nine to five. They don't have kids. They, they don't have bills piling up. Their health is usually in pretty good condition. How do they have storms? Well, the reality is that many kids go through storms. So in, I, I could sit here and I could read you the stats, tell you about all of the things that our kids are facing. Uh, but I want you to hear it from their own words. I want you to hear what our kids are dealing with. You know, what makes our ministry at Pathway Students so incredible is not our programming. We have absolutely incredible programming on Wednesday nights from 6.30 to 8 for our middle and high school students. We have, Wednesday, or we have Sunday mornings, our movement programming, where 6th through 8th graders are pouring through the Bible. Uh, you guys just met Wes. He's our new youth coordinator, and he is doing a, a great job downstairs. In fact, uh, we have so many kids wanting to dive into the Bible that we're stand, expanding it to two services. That's incredible. Come on. Yeah, that's awesome. But you see, it's, it's, not the, it's not the programming that sets apart our youth ministry. What sets apart our, our youth ministry is our leaders. They're the people that are willing over and over and over again to be active in the life of students. That is the difference. It's the people that are willing to sit through a middle school band concert. I don't know if you've sat through one of those, but... Man, that's a lot of love. It's the, the, the leaders that are willing to sit through a football game even if the kid only plays one play. It's the leaders that are willing to take a text at 10.30 at night from a student who's in a, a desperate situation. And so what I did is I actually connected with some of our leaders and I asked them to send me some of the questions that kids have asked over the past couple months. And I want to read those to you. The first question is this right here. If I accept Jesus and never do anything, am I saved? My mom walked away from the church. Is she still saved? Is it a sin to be more than one gender? Why were we created and what is the meaning of life? Yeah, just small. Small, tiny little questions like that. What is the truth and why does that even matter? And finally, this one, I think this captures beautifully what our students are struggling with. Why does it seem like life always pushes you down event after event? How come Jesus hasn't made my life easier yet? I feel like there is no hope. See, the longer I work with students and I spend with those kids and I spend around their leaders, which if you're somebody that says, I want to be a part of that kid's story, come talk to me. I'd love for you to get involved with us. But you see, the longer I I spend working with students and seeing their heartbreak and frustration, I, I realize it's come down to two questions. The first is this, where is your hope? And the second is this, what is the truth? These are the questions that kids are asking over and over and over and over and over again. I believe that there's a passage in uh, Hebrews that beautifully, uh, is this beautiful spot where these two concepts collide and we're gonna dive into that today. But before we do, I just wanna make a little bit of a disclaimer to you guys. Now, when it comes to discipleship, parents, when you are discipling your kids, uh, if you're discipling your friends, if you're discipling your coworkers, if you're discipling uh, maybe your grandparent and you're discipling your grandkids, you don't save them. Your job is not to save your grandkids. Your job is not to save your kids. Your job is not to save anybody. Your job is to create a culture where your kids, your friends, your coworkers have an encounter with Jesus. That's all you're doing. You're creating the culture. It it looks kind of like this. Uh, Imagine with me for a second that you are in this boat 
Your family is in this boat. Your friends are in this boat. You are determining the direction that you go. Parents, your kids are watching you. You can't control the storms of the world. You can't control everything that's happened around it. But you know what you can do? You can control the culture of your home through what you create, through what you model to your kids. I'm telling you this right now. You can have your family, family virtues all over the wall, but if the Bible never comes out and they never see you reading it, it's not going to do anything. What you model, what you create, and what you allow into your culture, into your home, into your workplace, that is going to be the culture where your kids encounter Christ. Because the other truth we know is that we only get our kids for so long. Your kid's going to become a teenager, and they're going to start to think they can walk on water. Okay, they're going to jump out of that boat. They're like, all right, let's do it. I can do it. I can walk on water. We, we know eventually they're going to get their own boat, and they're going to go off. And they're going to determine the direction of their life based on what you taught them. So with all that being said, I want to dive into uh, Hebrews 6, because I believe that this is a text that could change everything for us. It's Hebrews 6, verses 17 through 20. We're going to read that together. It says this, because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear to his heirs. Of what was promised, he confirmed it with an oath. God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to take hold of the hope set before us may be greatly encouraged. Verse 19, you've probably heard this before. We have this hope as an anchor for our soul, firm and secure, it enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where our forerunner, Jesus, has entered on our behalf, where he's become the high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Now, I know I, I just saw some of you guys reaching for your wife's purse. You went for the ibuprofen because this just like blows your mind, okay? That is all of Hebrews, okay? It's, it takes a lot to try to break it down, but here's what I believe. I believe that this passage is a life change passage. It's one of those passages that if you actually read it and you take what it says and put it to, to practice in your life, everything will change in your life. And the, the same is true for everyone in your boat. That if you, ch parents, if you change this stuff in your life, it's going to change everything for the next generation. The first thing that we see from this is this truth right here that the baseline for our hope lies in the truth. The baseline of our hope lies in the truth. Verse 17 says, Because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear to his heirs what was promised, he confirmed it with an oath. God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God uh, to, to lie, we who have fled to take hold of the hope set before us may be greatly encouraged. You see, what the writer of Hebrews is trying to do as he starts off this passage is he's laying out to the readers of this text the importance of embracing the truth. The importance of not only knowing it, but also embracing the truth and how it will bring hope into their lives. Now, I think before we go any further, we need to define what truth actually looks like. Because you see, the reality is that we live in a culture that is a my truth culture. It's a culture that you can have your own truth, and it doesn't matter what stats say, it doesn't matter what facts say, it's something that you hold dearly to. And we also live in, it's very confusing, but we live in a culture where two people can have their own truth and they can, they can counteract each other and it's fine. So I think it's important for us to define what truth actually is before we move any further. Now, when I'm trying to define something or trying to figure out what something is, I go to the Bible. It's where I find my answers. The word truth is seen 120 times in the Bible. 
120 times. And every single one of those times falls into one of three places. It references truth as being the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. You want an example of this? Look at Jesus' own words. I am the way, the, the truth, a little bit more. I am the way, the, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me, right? Jesus is making a statement about how he, as, as a whole, is truth. The second place we see it is through the words of God that God's words are true, that the Bible is true. Time and time again, if you read through the Bible, you will see that he lays out his words as truth, as being there from the beginning. And the third is this. It's in what Jesus did. The other times that truth is mentioned, it mentions the cross. It mentions the gospel of what Jesus did. The thing that we hold on to as our hope. See, I, I, through these, these three different areas, I found a, a, a definition that I think beautifully lays out for us what truth is. It's this. Truth is an absolute, unchanging set of facts that governs reality. This is what truth is. It's absolute. It's unchanging, right? Take a look at gravity, okay? None of you guys were worried about floating up to your ceiling when you woke up this morning. If you are, that's, that's a whole another conversation, okay? But none of us were worried about that. Why? because gravity is a set of laws that governs our reality and it's an absolute. It doesn't matter who's in political power. It doesn't matter what the culture says. It doesn't matter uh, uh, you know, whatever you're doing or where you are on this planet. It's an absolute. So what the writer of Hebrews is laying out for us to understand is, is that there's this absolute truth and that's found in Christ. So with that definition in mind, I want to go back to verse 17 and I want you to see what he's trying to communicate. What verse 17 is laying out is that God's nature as a whole does not change. This is the first truth that we see, that God is truth. Why? Because he does not change. He does not change. In fact, uh, Hebrews says that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's, he does not reliant on government. He's not reliant on culture. He's not reliant on anything. He is God, and he does not change. The same God that was there, that was, was there when Jesus was crucified is the same God that we serve. We serve an unchanging God, regardless of a changing world. It's the first thing that he's trying to communicate through verse 17. Verse 18, he's communicating the second truth that holds our hope. And what, is it, what it is is this, that God is a deliverer. That what God promises through his word, through uh, all of time, is a promise that is delivered on. If you go into the Bible, you find time after time after time where God says something and he delivers. God says something, he shows up. And this, the other thing that this actually is, is trying to lay out is that the Bible and the gospel, both of those things are promises from God that he delivered, right? God is not like UPS. He will not uh, say that a package is going to be delivered and then not deliver it. Um, sorry, that's, that's probably a little salty. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's, that's my flesh coming through. You see, it's those two things that allow us to have truth. We can have hope because God doesn't change. And because when he says something, he shows up. Now, why, why does this matter? Well, you know, one of my favorite things to do is I love to people watch. Anybody, any people watchers, anybody watch people, right? 
not in like a creepy way, just like people watching, right? Um, but so what that looks like is when we go out to eat or at restaurants or wherever we are, I like to watch people and try to figure out who they are and where they came from and what they're doing. Um, and I think my favorite thing about all of it is uh, that my sons have picked it up. And so if you ever see my family out at a restaurant, if you see the Lee belts, you're going to see me and my son staring people down while my wife stares at the ground and goes, how in the world do I have three kids? I only gave birth twice. Um, that's, that's just the way that it, it works, right? That's, that's just one thing that we'd love to do. But one of my favorite places to watch people is a boat launch. Now, I don't know if you've ever been to a boat launch, but you want to see the depravity of man? You go down to Menasha, you go down to the Ninth Street Boat Launch, and you watch people try to put their boats in. Like, man, I've seen some WWE stuff. Like, there's people, I saw a dude with a crutch get into fight, the crutches get into a fight with somebody. It was awesome. Like, you don't need pay-per-view. You just show up down there. You watch, you watch people beat each other up. Uh, pray for me. I, I need some help. I need some, some help. But you see, I'd, I'd love to do a little, I would love to do a little uh, experiment down at the marina. What I would love to do is I'd love to walk up to somebody with a life jacket. And I'd love to lean in real close to him and say, hey, look, you don't know this. Maybe I could pretend from, from the future. That'd be kind of cool too. Uh, but I'd lean in, lean in real close and I'd say, hey, see this life jacket? Your boat is going to sink this afternoon. There's going to be a storm that whips up and your boat is going to sink and this life jacket's going to save your life. And then I want to walk away. Now, now one of three things is going to happen. The first is this. I'm going to get arrested somehow. You know, that, that's a real possibility. The second, I'm going to get punched. Um, and the third looks like this. When I walk away from that guy that's putting his boat in the water, he's going to whip out his phone and begin checking the weather, looking for storms. <laughs> and even if he goes out in the back of his mind the entire time, he's going to hear my voice saying, there's a storm, it's coming, that life jacket's going to save you. And he's probably going to keep, regardless of how much his buddies make fun of him, regardless of how uncomfortable it is, he's going to keep the life jacket around his head. Why? Because the truth we believe in determines the direction of our lives. So what you believe is true is going to affect the way that you behave, what you do. And, and this is where we start to have problems. You see, I think there's a lot of us that uh, we have our own truth that we believe in, or, or we take little pieces and parts of what we want to believe, and we hold on to those. What it looks like is this, God's here to make me happy. God's going to bless my socks off. God will never give me anything I can't handle. And we hold on to these little pieces of truth, and they're just a couple degrees off. They're not far off, but they're just a couple degrees off. And it's leading our families, it's leading our friends away from the truth. It's leading them away from who God is and what he came to do. And you see, I think we've uh, conflated the life jacket that's supposed to save us with the life jacket that's supposed to make our life comfortable. So here's what I know. If I walk up to somebody at a marina and tell them, hey, this life jacket's going to make you more comfortable, he might wear it under the water for a little bit, but as his friends make fun of him, and as it gets more and more uncomfortable, he's going to go, why do I need this thing? And he's going to throw it. <laughs> See, the reality is this, our truth and what we believe in is going to affect not only us, but it's going to affect the next generation of Jesus followers. And when we teach them these little false truths, what happens is we're a couple degrees off. We're not actually teaching them truth. 
So how does this give us hope, right? This gives us hope through these two unchanging things, that regardless of what's happening in your life, that God's nature remains the same, that the same God that was there for Daniel is here for me. And the second thing is this right here, that when God promises something, he delivers. When God makes this promise in the Bible time and time again that I am for you, I am with you, I came to die on a cross so that you could be reunited with me. When he says that, he delivers. He shows up, let me tell you. You see, it's through those things that we have hope. But our problem is that a lot of times we don't actually believe those things. See, a lot of times we like to take our hope and we like to put it in other things. We put our hope in our finances. We put our hope in our jobs, in our marriages, in our friendships. We put our, our hopes in our political party. We put our hopes in our, our football team. We put our hopes in all of these different places and then we're surprised when they fail. Especially if you're a Chicago's Bears fan. I mean, it, it fails every year. Every single, every single year. You see, we put our hope in all of these places and we're setting ourselves up for this cycle of disappointment, this cycle that my student was talking about when he was saying it just feels like I'm being pushed down and pushed down and pushed down and pushed down and pushed down. Because we're putting our hope in something that's temporary where God is saying, put your hope in me, I'm eternal, I do not change, I've been the same, I will be the same, you can trust in me, regardless of what happens in this world, I have got you. See, your hope can't be touched when it's placed on something that is eternal. The writer of Hebrews is preconditioning the hearts that are receiving this letter with that truth, that when your hope is set on eternity, when your hope is set on the fact that Jesus gave you life by dying on the cross for your sins and rising again, when you are set on that, nothing can touch you. Nothing. You get to a point where you look like Paul, where you're saying, you know what? To live is, to live is Christ, to die is gain. Regardless of what happens, Jesus has got me. See, if we want to survive in a culture that is constantly changing, we need to serve a God who is unchanging. Well, say that again. If you want to survive our culture that is constantly changing, you need to serve a God who is unchanging, who will never change, who is not going to change on you in the middle of your circumstances. So we know that the truth we believe in gives us hope. We also know is that where we place our hope is an anchor for our lives. Verse 19 says this right here. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where our forerunner Jesus has entered on our behalf. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't spend a ton of time around anchors. I don't know much about anchors. Uh, but the, the people that this was written to, they would have understood quite a bit about anchors. You see, the, the three common ways of traveling at that point in time would have been walking, would have been riding something, or it would have been on a boat. If you are going to go from the Holy Lands to Rome, you are taking a boat, okay? It's a long walk to get there. And so they would have understood that the purpose of an anchor is to provide stability. That an anchor is set down in front of the ship and it's designed to dig deep into the soil, to dig deep into the, the rocks that are underneath the boat and hold the boat steady, especially in a storm. You see, the anchor, uh, when they would encounter storms that they couldn't outrun, what they would do is they'd put the anchor down in front of the boat. 
And that anchor would grab hold of something. And regardless of where the wind came from, regardless of the waves, regardless how big everything got, that front of that boat was pointed into the wind and waves. It was pointed the direction that it needed to be pointed because of its anchor. See, an anchor is designed to hold you in moments of storms. And until we put our hope and our future in Christ, until we do that, what we're going to find is that cycle happens over and over and over again. There's some of you that you know exactly what this feels like because you're coming out of a storm and you're looking at how that storm went and you're like, I, I, I don't know how I made it through that. See, the reality is that our hope and our future comes from Christ in him alone. He is our only hope and our only future. See, we don't need an anchor in calm waters. You know, when you need an anchor is when everything starts to fall apart. You need an anchor when you're crying on your bedside because the diagnosis isn't what, it, isn't what you want it to be. You don't need an anchor until you lose your job, until everything begins to fall apart around you. That's when you need an anchor. See, this is so extremely important, guys, because we're promised that troubles are coming. There's a passage in uh, John where Jesus is giving his final instructions to disciples. He's, he's laying out all the things that are going to happen. He's about to go to the cross. He's about to die on a cross for our sins so we could spend eternity with him. And he's laying out to the disciples what to expect. And what he's saying is this, is the world is going to hate you. <laughs> the world is not going to like you. Trouble is coming. <laughs> it's really actually cheerful. Um, <laughs> and then in, in John 16, 33, he says this. I've told you all these things that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, for I have overcome the world. See, there's a promise right there. And if I know my God, he's a deliverer. You see, the promise is this, that we're going to have storms, that life is not going to go the way it should, that everything is going to fall apart. God doesn't say, follow me, your life will be easy. He doesn't say, follow me, I'll never give you more than you can handle. He says, follow me, the storms are coming. But in the midst of your storms, the hope of your eternal life secured through me and my grace and what I did on the cross for you, my sacrifice, you are held. You can overcome the world because of what I did. So the question that demands an answer, the question that you need to reconsider is this right here. What is your anchor? Because the reality is that storms are coming. The day started just like any other. It was going by the routine. Have your time scheduled down to the minute. The commute to your nine to five. The demanding work schedule that flows right into the busyness, the meetings, sports events, the family gatherings, all of the, the things that we just have going on in our lives. Then the phone rings. The doctor comes back in with the news. The boss calls me into his office. The affair is uncovered. That, that secret sin that we're trying to hold on, on to 
It's not public. All was calm, and all in a moment, the storm came. The wind blew, the waves picked up, and all of a sudden you found yourself stranded in the sea with the storm clouds brewing. And all that held you steady, all that you clung to, was then stripped away. Your life at this moment has been radically rocked by a storm. And as the boat started to fill with water, threatening to pull you down under into the black, you can't help but wonder, Jesus, where, where are you? Are you sleeping on my circumstances? Do you, do you even care about me? Your mind races to a story that you heard as a kid in church. And that story in Mark 4, it's where Jesus is sleeping in the boat amid, amid this storm. You struggle to find your Bible through your tears on your face, and in this moment you begin to read the story of Jesus being awoken by his disciples, desperate for hope in the midst of the hopelessness of that storm. Jesus then stands in that moment and he demands the storm to end by saying three words. Quiet, be still. And the storm obeys, how amazing. And in this, in this moment of desperation after reading that, just through those tears, through that time, begin to scream those words, quiet, be still. Quiet, be still. And yet nothing happens. And the storm continues to rage on. Your mind starts to race through all these things that you were told in your past. You know, I, I thought God would never give me more than I could handle. Like, I thought God wanted me to be happy. I thought he cared about me. Does he, even, does he even love me? And it's in this moment, this amazing moment, that you hear that, that quiet and still small voice speak to you and it transcends just over the rage of the storm, through the pain, through the fear. And that voice comes to you and it says, come to me in all of your weariness, in all of your hopelessness, in all of your doubt, I am unchanging. I am stable. I am the rock. Let me hold you. And I will be your anchor in the midst of this storm. And at that moment, at that beautiful moment, the storm slowly calms back into a peaceful rolling of the waves. You see, what started as just a normal day was then interrupted and it turned into a disastrous disruption. And it's something that you didn't think would ever end. But the second he stepped in, that moment turned into a divine disruption. That hope that was trampled and crushed and you thought was gone was now there, holding you firm and secure. You see, while they may seem like it in the moment, Storms are not meant to destroy you, but rather to show you the stability of a creator that believes you, each and every one of you, are worth the effort. You know that passage that Dawson just read from in Mark 4, I can't tell you how many times I've read that. Growing up in the church, 
going through all the storms of life that I have, I, there's been so many times that I have I've been there, I've been reading that, that story, and I've just thought, God, why? Why haven't my storms gotten easier yet? Why haven't my problems gone away? You know what? This past week as I was preparing for today, I was reading through that story and it occurred to me that in all my moments of questioning and wondering and hoping that I never had actually read Mark 5. You see, in Mark 4, Jesus calms the storm, but in, in Mark 5, the second that his feet hit the ground, he's confronted by a man that's demon-possessed that is uncontrollable. And I couldn't help but laugh as I read that because in my head, I was thinking, man, if I was one of those disciples, put me back out in the water. <laughs> I, I would rather be in the middle of that storm than I'd be on the, the shoreline looking at that, dealing with that. So the reality is that storms in our lives are constant. It's not something that is temporary. We have long lasting storms. Because as much as we like to talk about storms being short, the reality is that there's people that have been in storms for five, 10, 15, 20 years, their entire lives have been storms. And so the, the question that we have to ask ourselves is this right here, where is our hope? Where is our anchor? There may be some of you today that you've been anchored in the wrong thing. Your life has been that cycle of, I hope this one holds me and then it doesn't. Oh, I hope my job holds me and then it doesn't. It's been a cycle of disappointments over and over and over again. Well, the reality is for, for you and for me is that we have a hope that is eternal. See, if you read through the book of Romans, you find out real quickly that without God, we don't have a hope. That we are sinners that are in desperate need of a savior. That we are all broken. And that without his love and his grace and mercy covering us, that we were condemned to die. But God delivers. But when God says he's gonna show up, he shows up over and over and over again. So the reality is that for some of us, we need to check our anchor today. We need to reevaluate not only what our anchor is, but how deep our anchor is set. An anchor only works if it's grabbing something. There's some of you that you need to reach in and you need your anchor to be grounded in God's truth. You need to be grounded in his grace and his hope. There's some of you today that maybe you're a couple degrees off. You've been trying to do everything you, you can, but your, your boat's just a little bit off in the wrong direction. You're never too far to course correct. You know, I, I know that for some of you, you're probably in the middle of a storm and you're looking for hope and you feel like you are drowning, and the darkness is there, the anxiety is there, the depression is there, and you feel like you are about to drown. Your boat is going down. Well, what I came to tell you today is this, that we serve a God who walks on water. 
We serve a God that not only walks on water, but he'll come and he'll pick you up. You don't have to struggle your way back to the shoreline. God is coming to you. So if you're somebody here today that you're saying, Michael, I want to grasp onto that hope, that truth. For the very first time in my life, I want to dedicate my life to Christ. I want that eternal gift. I'm sick of my hope being in the world and having it fail me. I want what's eternal. If that's you with all heads bowed and all eyes closed all across the space, I want you to raise your hand. No one's gonna be looking around. If you're online, uh, you can just go ahead and type in, I'm giving my life. Thank you, I see you in the back. We're just gonna wait another moment. Thank you, I see you in the front up here. Thank you, I see you in the front. The reality is that we serve a God who was willing to die on a cross for us so that we could have hope. And it's in that truth that we live our lives and base our lives. Just another moment. One of my favorite things about Pathways Church is we don't pray alone here. So we're gonna pray together, but for those of you in the space who raised your hand, this is that moment where everything's gonna change. This is that moment where your hope goes from being set on something that's temporary to something that's eternal. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for dying on the cross for me. Right now, I turn from the direction I was going and turn to you. You are my hope. Without you, I'm hopeless, Father. Let my life reflect your word. In your precious holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, can we celebrate the people that made that decision today? Can we celebrate them? Come on.